general nerdery. I'm starting this episode with an idea I got thanks to Twitter, so both I am sorry and you're welcome at the same time. But um, the you, you know the posters for the new Batman movie coming out? Yeah. The, the, they've, the, just the style of how they have Batman. Uh, someone has made a thing where you can type in whatever words you want and it'll pop up in the style of like the the Batman logo from the new movie. Okay. And someone did uh, Zuren Ah, which is... Whoa. Okay, Yui, I know you don't know what Zuren Ah is, so I'm going to explain anyways. <laughs> I know Tyler does, because if you have that response. Batman of Zuren Ah was originally a Batman from a different planet, and then later a version of, if Bruce goes completely insane, this is like a backup personality that loads up to kind of set him back on track, that is just normal Batman, except he wears... Uh, a suit made out of rags that is bright purple, red, and yellow. Like the bat suit, but that. And I just desperately want now the new R. Bats Pattison <laughs> movie to be exactly the same as it is, except just the Batman of Zoran Awe instead. So, like, change nothing, still have Colin Farrell as um, the penguin, keep everything in that, like, super over the top serious. But when Batman finally shows up, he is in, like, bright red tights with yellow sleeves and a bright neon colors yeah and like a neon purple cape oh that'd be amazing <laughs> and play it completely straight don't don't wink and nod at the audience a single goddamn time so <laughs> kind of peacemaker yes except well, okay yes but no but yes because um, he's just ridiculous and yeah <laughs> i mean they they make jokes about it, but not necessarily winking and nodding to the audience. It's true. About they it. play it very straight. Um, but before we dive too far into stuff, I'm sure Peacemaker will come up. Um, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And with us once again hey. is Yui. Sorry, Yui. Go ahead. Hi. No worries. Hey, Yui. Uh, we're your podcast about liking things, and we are here for part three of Adventure Time. We've gone through so much Adventure Time. <laughs> this one was easier, though. Like just because we didn't have 57 episodes to get through in one season. Yes. This one was easier (laughs) watching, but my actual like actual life schedule was more packed. So it was almost no change for me. (laughs) (laughs) I just got to a point where like I finished season nine and had to stop myself from season 10 as opposed to all the others where I'm like, I'm liking this, but please, for the love of God, I need to stop hearing this theme song. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of things before we get to that. First, and this is kind of our downer subject on it, we are recording this on, I think, day three of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Day four. Thank you, Tyler. And um, it's not going to come out for like another week and a half. So we recognize that it we beyond the fact that we are not a news or historical or geopolitical anything podcast uh Who knows where this is going to be by the time it's coming out, but it felt really weird to record a podcast about a goofy cartoon while all of that is happening and not acknowledge it. Acknowledge yet. You know, fuck fascism. Like that's kind of where we're at Mm -hmm. on this. I I might have a few things to like kind of tie in like adventure time to that kind of concept because I don't feel like it would be like a disservice or disingenuous to enjoy this during this time of crisis that's fair that's especially like given the subject matter that adventure time kind of covers Ooh, yeah and some of the stuff that happens in some of these episodes we go we're gonna cover Mm -hmm. some shit today yeah Uh, yeah but yeah i just wanted to i don't know 
send out support to the people of Ukraine who, who, as I said, who knows where we will be. And no matter what, this is a gigantic tragedy, but it sure at this stage looks like Putin is in the find out stage. You fuck around and find out. And God, that's such a good thing. Like For once it's Russia who will get screwed. Yeah. Right. Is, is oh, getting we screwed. We can all hope. I described this to Malark, our buddy over at Art of War Gaming, as uh, after the Roman Empire collapsed, like a hundred years later, the the church decided that they missed the Roman Empire and were going to bring it back as the Holy Roman Empire. And that didn't work out for anybody, but it really put uh, a wild card into European history for the next like two centuries. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like that was Putin's goal for this whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... We don't need to get too much deeper into it. It just... I mean, it does kind of tie love in. and support. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I was the first day I was like at work having basically a panic attack of like, I'm moving broccoli boxes right now and World War Three might be starting. So. Yeah. Well, and like our first section is usually also what have we been ingesting and pretty I, much the news about I was about to say part of it for me has definitely been just like keeping up on everything that's going on. Oh God, I'm always mm-hmm. phone addicted, but I have been so like the, the amount that I have Googled Ukraine in the last week. I have felt pretty good about my own personal doom scrolling though, because it hasn't been very doomy and so much as just like kind of like crying over the heroic exploits of some of the Ukrainians that keep popping up. So. Yeah. Like that's, even though it's, you know, a terrible humanitarian crisis that is occurring, like, Seeing the amount of like rallying and support that the Ukrainian people are giving each other, like the measures that like their government and their leaders are taking to try and combat this, and then like even just the firsthand accounts of like people just like living their lives during this like absolute fucking chaos. Uh, I remember seeing this. Uh, it was like a short story with like two photos. One photo was of the couple getting married. And then the next photo was them in fatigue with, uh, with AKs. Oh yeah, I and saw that one. They had rushed, yeah, they rushed their wedding just to make sure that like, I don't know, they had all of their mental energy to help save their country. And that's like super tragic and super inspiring at the same time. Um, I follow an artist on Patreon who I found out, I knew she lived somewhere in Eastern Europe, but I didn't know specific because I didn't want to be like, hello. Where can I find you? Because it's weird. <laughs> but um, uh, her, hearing her talk about it has been super fascinating. She's like, one moment I was drawing boobs and the next moment um, I've moved across my country because tanks. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Tanks getting stolen this by TikTok videos of pe- <laughs> This TikTok videos of people like reclaiming abandoned Russian vehicles and being like, this is how you dismantle them or like seize them for your own control. Oh yeah, I watched a few of those this morning. <laughs> and we really can't go about this without mentioning the most metal old lady in possibly Eastern European history, which is saying something because it's Eastern Europe. <laughs> there was a lot of them. <laughs> the one specific I was thinking of is the woman that walked up to the Russian soldiers and was like, here, take these seeds. So sunflowers will grow from your corpses. And you're like, whoa. Don't forget that she said, fuck you fascist at <laughs> yeah. the same time. <laughs> fuck you fascist. Um, yeah. And, it's so strange to look at this and be kind of inspired by it and kind of horrified. Cause as I said, like no matter what, 
this is a global tragedy. But also, as someone who's been utterly terrified of our slow descent into fascism for the past, you know, five years, watching a lot of countries come together and be like, hey, you know what we're not okay with? This. Right. Is really incredible to see. Really interesting. When I think about half the times I've checked the news the past few days, I'm just like, is Zelensky still alive? Because dude's a badass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't need to ride out here. I need ammunition. He really puts, and I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of propaganda he's doing. I doubt he's nearly as on the front lines as, like, they're kind of putting him up as being. But, like, I mean, he chose not to flee. That's incredible. Um, but he really does put to uh, to challenge the concept that I have of we need to not hire celebrities to be political leaders because he was a TV comedian that was mm-hmm. on Dancing with the Stars and voiced Paddington fucking Bear. <laughs> and now he's standing up to to an ex-KGB officer. Um, him and, man, it was crazy because, like, I grew up watching boxing and I did not realize that a former heavyweight champion of the world, Vettel Klitschko, was mayor of Kiev. Ukraine is wild. And he was like, no, I'm not leaving either. Like, I could be anywhere in the world. Who would U.S. politicians ever? There's an old, I think it was like an NES game where it's like Final Fight or something, but in one of the levels you have to box the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess they just took that really literally in (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. It's, we live in wild times, and I would really love it if we lived in less wild times. Just for a little bit. (laughs) But... Yeah, anyways. But what else have we been ingesting? Ooh, uh, I'll go first. Um, I picked up a book called Supermassive from Image Comics. Uh, I have mentioned to you before that I've been reading just my body weight in Power Rangers comics. Mm-hmm. And um, the main guy that writes that is a guy named Kyle Higgins, who was succeeded by Ryan Parrott. Kyle Higgins also has written Ultraman for Marvel with a guy named Matt. It's groom or broom, and I don't have it in front of me, so I apologize, Matt. But these three people have been kind of like at the forefront of the revitalization of Tokusatsu comic, Tokusatsu comics in America. You know, again, Power Rangers, Ultraman, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And they went, man, why are we making all of this money for other people when we know we can write this shit? If what if we did it with our characters? Uh, so Higgins has already been doing a book called Radiant Black. That's his own version of this, and this is him and his other Power Ranger writing friends coming together and creating basically a little mini Power Rangers universe for themselves where they own all the characters and are publishing through Image Comics and are kind of revitalizing superheroes at Image. One character made a character named Inferno Girl Red, another one made one called Rogue Sun, and all of these characters, most of whom are introduced in this book, Supermassive, are having their own character spin out of it. It's kind of a, an Avengers film, but, you know, oversized comic book instead. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty fucking good. Like, it's not overwhelmingly, because it's got to introduce too many characters to go super deep, but, like, it's a fun little read. And I actually really recommend it for anyone. It was almost my recommendation this week, but it's the only notable thing that I that's new that I have read lately. Yeah, let's see. What have I been ingesting? Um... I discovered I had uh, still, like, two Audible credits that I hadn't used yet. So I re-listened to both the latest Dresden files in the past, like, week and a half. 
because it makes me happy. That's fair. And that was a lot of fun. God, there was something else. Oh, I finally watched Encanto. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Nice. I really want to watch it's it. It's so good. It's really good. I cried so much. I didn't. I still really, really loved it, though. The animation is out of this fucking world. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit out of this fucking mm-hmm. world. There were, there were definitely times where, like, when watching that the first time, I, it broke that suspension of disbelief of, like, yes, this is an animated movie because of the camera mo- motions and the animation looks mm-hmm. so realistic. Uh, crazy. Now, now that I'm a little bit more familiar with his work, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is obviously Lynn writing these songs, but oh, that's yeah. not a bad thing. No, I mean, I <laughs> if you haven't noticed by the fact that I made us do a Hamilton episode back in the day, uh, I am a big old <laughs> fan of Lynn. And I have Miranda. never stopped listening. Oh to no, it. it's so good. <laughs> um, so, can I tell you a dark secret, song? You don't like Hamilton? You've never watched it? I don't know which one. Uh, both of those, oh, actually. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't blame people who aren't into it. I just really love it. I mean, I like In the Heights better, and I still agree with the critique of they really should put some Afro-Latinx people in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I was really excited to finally watch it. I mostly did it because it was my my niece's sixth birthday this weekend, and it was Encanto-themed, and I'm like, well, if I'm going to go to this, I should probably (laughs) actually see the movie. Um, so that was awesome. Plus I had no idea. Like the only thing I knew about the movie was everybody talks about the, the goddamn, we don't talk about Bruno song. I didn't <laughs> know Bruno was fucking Johnny legs. <laughs> and that makes me so happy. I love John Legzama ever since I was a kid. Suddenly here, it was weird though. It kind of threw me out of the movie. Cause every time Bruno opened his goddamn mouth, I'm like, Pistario Vargas. And that is not the pest. <laughs> Oh, God, the past was bad, though. Oh, oh I the love past the past. Is awful. I have a weird history with the past. I used to be able to stay home from school if the pest was on TV while I was getting ready for school. Did your parents okay. just weirdly love the pest, too? Or Yes. The, uh, the <laughs> pest, Crybaby, the John Waters film, and um, Top Secret, uh, the, the Val Kilmer uh, Zucker Brother movie. If any of those three movies were on while I was getting ready for school, I got to stay home from school for the first half of the day to finish watching those movies. <laughs> okay. You know, I showed someone a movie once, and afterwards when it was done, they looked at me and went, you make so much more sense to me now. Uh, and I feel like this story is that, that exact same thing. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's what I got. Encanto and a bunch of Dresden Files. Uh, Yui, what about yourself? I've still been on my, like, weird true crime binge of, like, watching actual just, like, police interviews with murderers. Um, So I don't really have anything, like, media-related to say that I've been ingesting. So you've just been Uh, YouTubing serial killer interviews, or? Yeah, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube serial killer documentaries. That's fun. Uh, give us give us the name of a good true crime podcast that you've been listening to. Um, my favorite one of all time is definitely um, Crime Junkies, just because I love the style of like how they present the story and how they're more focused generally like on the victim and mm. their story and how it affected them rather than like glorifying the killer, even though they still sometimes go into like the history, but they still are very focused on 
uh, crime advocacy. They actually have donated a lot of their podcast proceeds to helping like uh, the Project Doe and um, other projects that help give names to missing and murdered people who were found without identity. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely my favorite. Have you listened to Criminal at all? It's just just Criminal. No, I don't think so. I've I've listened to an episode or two of it, and I was like, "This is really good." And then got caught up in a different podcast on our. I was listening <laughs> to it on the way to work, mm-hmm. uh, but we went back to Adventure Zone because Adventure Zone I have to pay a little less attention to it for at five thirty <laughs> in the morning. So it's kind of serving our purposes better there. But I really of what I listened to of Criminal, I really liked it. Want to get back? So that's just, anyways. Mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. I have one more. Th- I know that me and you, Zach, uh-huh. ingested one other thing because Peacekeeper finished, and I we don't have to go deep in, or Peacemaker, and I don't I don't have, we don't have to go deep into it. But I want to say that show is fucking incredible, God, and gonna, I cannot wait for season. We're two. gonna do an episode soon of it's Peacemaker. So fucking good. <laughs> it is the best show on TV, and I'm someone who liked Book of Boba Fett, but like Peacemaker blows it out of the fucking water, and I never in my life thought I would say that sentence and I liked Peacemaker before this came out like oh man anyway I just I needed to acknowledge it because it was like until that finale was coming out it was like the thing I was keyed on all week I was like I just can't wait for I can't fucking wait for Peacemaker I can't wait I mean I and I like bought a like a nice dessert to go with it that night like uh no like I I mean clearly I know superhero stuff more than any reasonable person should. I have read more superhero stuff than any sane person ever will. There are very few comic book hero related things I have seen that achieves what Peacemaker achieves. Um, and the fact that it can have these poignant moments while still allowing itself to be like funny and light and not just fucking Watchmen or Dark Knight Returns. And that's not even a knock on those things, but like... Peacemaker is going to define comics and comic-related things going forward in the same way that those two things did, I think. You still need to get on Doom Patrol. I do. I'm I'm kind of like, as we're coming to the end of Adventure Time, I'm like looking at my list of like, I could get through some shows again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, we were trying to watch uh, Green Planet which is the David Attenborough mm-hmm. like planet earth, but about plants, which one is absolutely wild. And if you watch it while you're high, you're just going to think that they're lying to you the whole time. <laughs> they do a whole lot of like speed shooting. So you see how plants actually move, just not at the like slow rate. And I'm like this, I'm not even sure if this is real anymore, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the next episode will not finish downloading. Oh, and no. CC has been getting so mad for like three days. Oh no. We did watch a trailer just because we watched all the other ones that led up to this because one. Because it's come up every other time Morbius has come up. We're going to talk about the final trailer of Morbius. And like, I had literally never heard about this movie until you told me to watch the trailer. You're probably and better after off, watching, dear. <laughs> after watching it, I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, uh, yeah. No. I have a feeling that's a that's about what we're about to say though too cuz here's the thing it's, I'm actually impressed how good the CG looks for as much of it devolves into a CG fest. I could actually still mostly pay attention to what's going on. Could kind of follow it yada yada. 
It's pretty. Mm-hmm. Like, I like how his powers are being used. There's, what is the fucking point of this movie? It Vampires mostly just made me were really popular 15 years ago. Yeah, it mostly just made me want to rewatch Underworld. Yeah, kind of, right? Like, that, that's what it felt like they were going for, except for Michael Keaton was there. Presumably playing his character from the first of the Spider-Man movies. So that is the, the, that's theoretically that is Vulture, to be him. but... So Adrian Toomes, but I don't... And then Matt Smith is in there, kind of just looking like the Doctor again, but evil. That's the, wor- that's the worst part of it for me. Like, it would be silly to try to actually... To actually try to make him look like Hunger, he would look ridiculous. But you don't have to sit him there as the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing a brown suit still, I think. Um, so in my mur- serial murder podcast I've been listening to, I just listened to one about Israel Keys, who's been dubbed the new metal <gasps> serial killer. Okay. And he's just <laughs> he's just the biggest little bitch of a person. Like when he committed suicide in prison, he wrote a like five page spoken word beat poetry suicide note based off of like Slipknot. Like it's <laughs> he's just the absolute worst kind of little bitch. And I kept thinking of him while I was watching this because this like <laughs> something about Jared. I, mean, I don't get I don't get Jared Leto anyways. And like, I wouldn't care except for the fact that he's somehow a cult leader. And I'm super confused about that. But like, oh, sorry, I can't get over the fact that you just compared Jared Leto to Israel Keith. I'm not necessarily. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying that Jerry Lito is Israel Keys, although he's closer, probably, than most actors out there. But I feel like if Israel Keys was still alive, Jerry Lito would be, like, his favorite actor. Like, <laughs> it's just so, like, uh, corporate early 2000s metal, but corporate early 2000s edgy is what this whole fucking movie feels like to me. It's like they tried to reboot that feeling, yeah. but in 2021. Oh no, this movie easily oh could have a soundtrack entirely of Five Finger Death Punch, and it would fit. Static X would be in there for some use that Evanescence song. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Evanescence song that I was embarrassingly into when I was 16, and even then I was embarrassed about it? Like... Oh, I mean, no you mean Bring Me to Life, albums. the song that was mine and my first college girlfriend's song? Hold Ooh. up, hold up. Or uh, <laughs> that one that they did with, what was it, Shinedown, uh, Broken? Uh, was it? I don't think it was Shinedown. No, it was, no, it was Seether. We are just flashing back to so all of the CDs I shamed by. She was dating that guy at the time. Yeah. And that's where they made that song together. Not that's... that I'm a, like, early 2000s emo nerd. But anyway, I have literally been researching Damien Hellstrom, the son of Satan, for our other podcast. So I am absolutely throwing no shame that you have this like cringy, edgy shit that you love. Because again, Damien Hellstrom, the son of Satan. (laughs) I'm reading Power Rangers comics. I don't get to say anything to anyone, Judgy. Probably ever again. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> I'm going to, but like... <laughs> Speaking rights revoked. <laughs> yeah, movie's pointless, but not as pointless as the fact that they're still trying to go forward with Madame Webb, so... Oh my god. I don't even know what to say. My hands are up. 
Yeah, <laughs> Madame Webb is a psychic with a, an arachnid theme. Bam. That's it. That's all. There's nothing interesting to her. Uh, I guess on that note, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about something that actually is interesting. <laughs> so I actually wanted to mention before we go farther on this that uh, I got some uh, nice comments about our first episode. Yay. Uh, our friend Beth, who you and I used to work with, and Yui, I know you know, and is mm-hmm. the host of the podcast Talking Shit About, dot, 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 uh, which mm-hmm. I've been on and several. I, I have too. I think Tyler, yeah, Tyler is the only one of us that hasn't been yeah. on that one yet. Uh, great podcast, actually. I'm a really big fan of it. And we are figuring out a place to get Beth on. We uh, I've talked to her a little bit about a subject. But I got a message from her, which is just always nice anyways. And she uh, was super excited and then sent me a message after listening to the first episode and went, you just cured my depression for the day, which is like the nicest thing Yay. someone said to me before. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah. So, Beth, because I knew you listened to this, I wanted to say hi. Love you. Hi Hopefully Beth. I'll see you soon. Um, but, yeah. Ad- Adventure Time Part 3. Over the Hump. Season seven through nine. Season seven, probably, I'm going to say, is the best season so far. Ooh. Uh, through I, nine, but... Like, I was about to say, I'm glad that someone else is on that board with that with me, because so far, seven has been my favorite overall season. I mean, I'm going to be honest, six is my favorite miniseries out of the three of them. The three miniseries like, were all good, but Stakes is significantly better than the other two. Like, I... I definitely enjoyed Island. Like, it has its place and whatever. But and now I'm, of course, forgetting the third one. Um, the elements. Elements. Uh, yeah. Like, that one, of all of them, I cared about the least. It was fine. Like, even though it's important, like, and it leads into Island, but I don't know. I felt like it was a better idea than execution, though we can eventually get there, I suppose, since that season. Yeah, <laughs> as a fan of Simon, it's really important. But other than that, I, yeah. Uh, but as a fan of Marceline, Stakes is just incredible. Mm-hmm. I think with I kind of wish Islands would have happened way earlier in the series. I wish those characters would have known that those things about themselves and had to go through more of the other stuff knowing that. Mm, that could have been interesting. Uh, maybe it's like they had introduced that like r- around the same time that Finn was dealing with the stuff with Martin. Mm-hmm. It could have fit a little bit better thematically instead of feeling like it was shoehorned in there. Yeah. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. I, I guess we'll save it for, I'll save that for when we get to that actual part. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I will say I'm glad it didn't happen too much earlier because I am very fond of Susan Strong. Which was my favorite part of Islands by a lot, to be honest with you. So uh, (laughs) losing her earlier would have been very sad. But where do we start season seven at? Season season seven starts with Bonnie and Nettie. And that's the episode where we learn about Bubblegum's history uh, and the fact that she has a brother named Nettie who's been living under the Candy King this entire time. Oh, right. One of the very heavy slurm episodes. Right. things for mm-hmm. me. Which I hadn't watched yet, so was not referencing last episode. Yeah, you were referencing uh, Peacemaker, but I watched both of those in a night, and I'm like, I don't know which one he meant. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one kind of fucked me up, but mostly just because, like, 
I don't know. There's something kind of body horror about Nettie that just freaks me out. Yeah. Like, I know they're, they're like, being the whole allegorical, like, you know, just accept people even if they're different, even if they look weird to you. But, no, it's, it's weird seeing, especially, like, when his face is all squunched up. Like, that expression on Nettie freaks me out the most. But I am kind of sad that they never, like, I don't know, do anything outside of this episode with him. He comes up in passing later on, but even then, it's, it's yeah, it's just the banana guards think that, that she's, like, not realizing why they're guarding him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Over these three seasons, I felt like I ended up understanding PB more, but liking her mm-hmm. less. See, and I'm I think kinda, this was yeah. the start of that. I'm kind of the opposite direction. I like PB more than I did before. Like seeing her have, you know, kind of feelings and friendships and real stuff. There's places that are like, oh, holy shit. But I don't know. I, I find her more compelling than before where she was. Just I mean, it helps give us the con. Like it gives us the context that like she has gone through so much in the last 10,000 years mm-hmm. of her life. Like she has experienced a lot and had to overcome a lot. And I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but I know season 10 will get a little bit more into that in ways that we didn't get into in any point sooner. <laughs> This kind of brings us into our, our next one being varmints. Not that we're going to do episode yeah. by episode, but uh, I'm going to be honest. When PB goes back to being in charge of the Candy Kingdom, as opposed to just crazy mad scientist out in the woods, I was sad because I infinitely prefer not in charge PB. But I, there's a definite shift in like from when she like loses that momentum from being princess or from the creation of the kingdom until when she is deposed by the King of Wu. Mm-hmm. Like her coming back to that throne, her entire perspective, her entire outlook is a lot different. Oh yeah, she's than it was even before. She's significantly better to her people after that. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we brought it up last time, but it really was driven home. I know this was written like two years before Donald Trump took office, but it was given me like really awful flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the King of Ooh melt was so good. Yes. Yes, it was. He's like <laughs> earwax or something. They said like, what was it that they said he was? I feel like it was just supposed to be that joke of like him being a wax idol. Okay. And so then they could melt him. But I don't know. We can pretend he's earwax. Why not? Well, no wax, but not necessarily earwax. I mean, there's wax candy. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think of that. It's just gross. <laughs> I remember having like wax candy, fucking vampire teeth candy shits. Mm. Yeah. Or like those little soda bottle ones. Yeah. Ooh, actually, I really, I dig those still. <laughs> of course. I don't even care about yeah. wax. I still dig those. I used to just pop those straight in my mouth and chew them, but then spit out the wax once it's lost its flavor. It's like gum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I agree. This... Maybe that was their thought process there, too. I don't know. I wasn't in the writer's room. This season is making me kind of want a mini series just following Starchy directly. <laughs> Because he's kind of like Scruffy the janitor from Futurama of just like, except he's a grave digger, which I keep forgetting. I know, I keep forgetting that too. He's a grave digger. Uh, He's just so like, 
I keep being like, yeah, he's like the everyman character. And he's like, time to go digging graves. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, that's what. Starchy <laughs> um, is such a weird enigma. Well, and when he pops up and he is married to root beer guy's wife. What is oh, that? yeah, cream, cherry cream soda. Cherry cream soda. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, did this happen before? Did I? I still don't know if that like came up before and I just forgot about it or... We didn't ever see their relationship, but we did see, uh, it was very briefly when we saw Rupier Guy get killed that during I, the battle with um, Maja and Darren the Ancient Sleeper. I remember Rupier Guy getting killed and then just like, he, she's married to Starchy now. Also, I feel mm-hmm. really bad for Starchy in that story. I mean, I feel bad for <laughs> Car- Cherry Cream Soda too, who it is not. Like, she right. was putting some stuff, but you know. I mean. Starchy deserved None of the shit that he had to go through right there. To be fair, at the end of Cherry Cream Soda, Starchy kind of digs his own grave. Apologies for the pun for like <laughs> what he was doing. Oh, Starchy is kind of a shit at the same time. <laughs> or like, uh, I think it's during the like uh, 5,000 plus Grables or whatever. The one where Starchy fakes his own death with uh, the... I think it's a sea lord or maybe it's just a dolphin. I don't know. Oh, Where yeah. he like removes his tracking tooth and puts it in the thing and runs away. And then I didn't realize like when they flash back to like the present day with uh, the Grable Master, they have a grave for Starchy right next to there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could do a longer than like a mini series about Starchy. It would be like five episodes at 11 minutes and done. But it would be the the wild shit you could come up with for that. We would learn so much about the CD side of the Candy Kingdom. So over the course of these three seasons, like it's been kind of building anyway, but since we're almost up to one of the episodes that really started to push it for me, like Bimo has become one of my favorite characters. Bimo is the best. Like football started to really push it for me. Football was an amazing episode. That's legitimately a decent horror episode with this. Right. But then like a really Uh, like kind of cute ending. It's (laughs) my favorite part about football is that I'm still not a hundred percent sure if it's BMO just losing their shit or if it's an actual like mirror dimension, mirror master flash villain kind of thing going down here. With as many times that this series references, like, um, other self and, like, alternate versions of the same person, I feel like that's an intentional, like, mirror universe. Because, like, think about how many times we've seen Finn and Jake become alternate versions of themselves, like, through their plan with reincarnating Prismo, Finn turning into the Finn Sword, Fern. Like, there's so many elements that, like... Finn Sword and Fern fucked I mean, me up. Even, we'll get to that at season nine. But that was... Oh, yeah. We're not done with Fern either. I assumed. I would almost argue that even if it wasn't supposed to be intentional, the magic of Ooh and how strongly Bimo believes in it would still make it real. Oh, so a kind of Discworld setup mm-hmm. right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Even if it wasn't real, Bimo made it real. <laughs> I mean, even think of like uh, how Mo described how he made Bimo. Like, he made Bimo to be more. And so, I don't know, that means that maybe Demo's programming is capable of that type of thought and play. I 
do like how the BMO episode started. I mean, there were already great episodes, but the like BMO pretends to be in a noir that was, I think, from our <laughs> last bunch noir. of episodes that was just BMO ah. being a weirdo with this one. And then they are able to take that same like things take a weird, dark turn, but put it in real stuff like where BMO ends up in a battle for existence with Amo, which I know oh, comes man. up later, but like just while we're talking about BMO. I just I just realized that like uh, football and that episode that you're talking about, the more you mow, the more you know, um, those were sandwiched on either side of steak. Yep. So that's, that's kind of fun. And uh, uh, that one was a that one was a full length. I mean, not because 11 minutes is full length, but like it's a double length episode. It was for a, it. Yeah, it's yeah, 14, it was 15. their two part episode for that season, whereas normally it would be the two part end of the series or like uh, tapping the end of one season going into the next one like we did with uh, or sorry, uh, I'm thinking of nope, I'm just misremembering the season. Um, yeah, they usually have at least one two-part episode per season and it's usually either at the beginning or the end of seasons in most cases except for this one it makes it feel like more of an event it was also their christmas quote-unquote episode for that season (laughs) which is why we get that opening bit i can see how (laughs) jesus that's wow so let's talk about stakes my favorite part of it, even I don't even, even if I wasn't such a Marcy stand going into this. No, this was incredible. We we could. It's probably, just amazing storytelling. We could probably just do an episode on stakes. Like not only do we get like that, like I don't know, just that kind of condensed growth process that we've been watching for the rest of the show in the span of seven episodes for Marceline. Like she also gets to I don't know deal with her past and all of those fun elements of trauma that she's been showing throughout the show and then her like directly dealing with them. Great. The whole accepting who you are thing, the making the queer subtext between PB and Marceline even more explicit. Than it already was. Yeah. No, I mean, it was already pretty much text, (laughs) but they were like, all right, come on. What? Wait, all of that while simultaneously being a fun vampire hunting adventure. Yeah. Yes. Like a legitimate fun adventure. And we get so many clues to like the early days of like the land of after the mushroom war. We get to see, um, if you'll remember, we actually get to see the founders that uh, the island people are singing about mm-hmm. in stakes. Well, and I love that it it's a single throwaway line, but it completely changes like the history of the world that we've seen. Because um, I don't think they mentioned it before this, where they reveal that the reason humans are all wearing little animal hats is in the hopes of tricking vampires. Yeah. Like that, that puts completely new context on everything that's kind of come before this. Of why Finn is wearing the hat, why he recognizes Susan as human for wearing the cat hat. And, ah. and up till now, like, I'm pretty sure if they'd asked Pendleton Ward, like, why does Finn have the hat? He's like, fuck it. I don't know. Cause I put it on there. <laughs> and they're like, Nope, not oh, good enough. I know the answer to that though. <laughs> Oh, okay. What's the answer to that? Uh, Pendleton Ward had created an online like a webcomic, and it was of this little bear, and we kind of get a reference and homage to that uh, via Little Dude uh, when Finn's hat comes alive. Mm. That's essentially what that character looks like. That's awesome. 
I liked yeah. that episode. Also, I just kind of love anytime Finn takes off his hat and reveals the like majestic level of hair he's developed <laughs> by this point. Like just fucking Fabioing it. I like in the few episodes, like after he cuts his hair and he's got like the peach fuzz. Mm-hmm. You just need to see that sort of evolution through in removing something so simple as like the fundamental element of his costume. Which I don't know. Most cartoons don't normally do because once once you have that character in like a set outfit, they're very rarely going to deviate from that. Right. You get the the Doug closet mm-hmm. where you open it up and mm-hmm. it's all the same wardrobe. And I know we mentioned Steven Universe like pretty much every single freaking episode so far, but I don't know. That also has to do with just like the crossover of staff from those shows, and um, so it's neat to see that being carried forward through animation. When, how far through Adventure Time did Rebecca Sugar work on? Did she drop out, like, after season seven is what I was going to guess? It was season six, I believe, because her last episode before leaving Adventure Time entirely was uh, Simon and Marcy. Oh, okay. The one where we learn about, uh, like, uh, the crown hacking Mm -hmm. that Betty was doing. That would have been Rebecca Sugar's last full episode uh, as a crew member on Adventure Time. Oh, I would have guessed Stakes was heavily involved. Like, um, I know she was still, like, brought back as, like, uh, writing assistant and storyboarder, but, like, she was mainly just doing Steven Universe from that point. And I know she does come back at the end, uh, like, oh, man, I can't wait for season 10. Ah! <laughs> uh, but the final si- song in uh, Come Along With Me. Uh, she wrote as well. I know you've shown me that before. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. It had no context for me at the time. No, Other I'm just than like, John I'm so excited for you guys to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, Stakes really shows how fucking wild Marceline's backstory is in ways that, like, never would have occurred to me before. Cause like when you first meet also, her, her dad, who is like the archduke of hell or whatever he is, I was like, Oh, that's why she's the vampire queen. Her dad's a Satan. Mm-hmm. Nope. nope Turns out it's demon. completely unrelated to all of that. <laughs> also, I just forgot that like um, during the stakes series, uh, Rebecca sugar voices, Marceline's mom. Oh, oh, I did hear that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For the like four seconds that she's on the show, but and so I think that means that the song that they wrote uh, for Stakes, the Everything Stays song, was written by Rebecca Sugar. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just sounds like all of her other songs has that tone. So the the vampire, because I mean, not that we're doing a like play by play, but the point of Stakes is that vampires have been released, and Marcy is slowly. Sucking up their souls and killing them to to stop the vampires, yada yada yada. But uh, the the vampires that releases it was the Vampire King, the Fool, the Empress, the Hierophant, and the Moon. The Moon is a vampire is like the wildest choice you could possibly make. Uh, she still freaks me out. <laughs> and possibly the um, best gag of this season is did just... Did you just shout pigs in that lock until it opens? 
it's not the one I was going for, but that's good too. But was just Finn like stabbing her for like ten hours and being like, I don't know what to do here. Like, I I love the design of all of them. I don't. I'm still. I'm sitting here not knowing what to say because I'm still blown away by that set of episodes. It mm-hmm. did so many things all at the same mm-hmm. time so well. Like it's kind of an extended therapy session for Marcy where she recognizes where all her traumas come from and realizes that there she can still have those parts of the personality, but like not take on the toxic parts of them and refine a way to fit within her fit friend group. Mm-hmm. She started off as like a vampire hunter just because of like the pain of both losing her mom, her dad, and Simon after a traumatic event like a nuclear war as a child. You know, maybe she was very angry, just needed 10,000 years to maybe like deal with it. Mm -hmm. Not that we didn't know already, but her dad sucks so hard. Mm -hmm. Even Mm -hmm. for like a king of hell, but like, well... I survived a nuclear war. Um, can I come live in your dimension? No, nah, but I am going to try to make you take it over against your will in 10,000 years. That is one thing that I love about Adventure Time is the representation of garbage parents <laughs> and their children who have to deal with those effects and how it it definitely affects you a lot more than you want it to. But I don't know if that's what this series shows us. is like you don't have to just be that. You can grow you can evolve you can reincarnate yourself you can become a fucking sword yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if becoming the fin sword is a good thing but uh you know what well without the fin sword we wouldn't have fern i'm not sure that's a good thing either but that's you know what (laughs) you haven't seen the final episode yet okay okay uh, with all of that, though, with the being able to change and stuff, I do like how the show still also manages to balance it out, though, with, like, you still did also live through these things, and you can't necessarily change that. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. And you can't get rid of that, but it can, you know, it is a part of you whether you like it or not, but, like, it's not always a bad thing. Uh, the bit where Marcy just gives in is really uncomfortable, <laughs> like... And her not getting involved in a fight before wouldn't have felt out of character. Like, if she'd just been like, nah, not not feeling like it, I would have been like, oh, Marcy, that's bad. But Marcy just not having the energy to even be her usual sassy music self, um, wasn't sure how to deal with that one. Like, that was some of the most hopeless that Adventure Time ever felt, even though I didn't really believe, obviously, that, like, that's how they were going to end things. Also, I love her magical girl transformation back into a vampire. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Also, just the design of the Vampire King. Like, his physical design is just pitch perfect. Mm -hmm. I love that joke of, like, uh, Jake describing all of the vampires. And then, like, was it Vimo who was sketching them? Or somebody else? Yeah. uh, Shit, who was it? Or Peppermint Butler, I think. Yeah, it was Peppermint Butler. Yeah, because Peppermint Butler wanted his fucking autograph. But sorry, anyways, go on. (laughs) But like that joke of like, uh, imagine if a football was angry. No, that's not it. Wait, no, that's actually really close. And like that's his final like 
spirit form design, essentially. Mm-hmm. Imagine if an ant hill was a girl. No, that's not right. <laughs> no, that's not right. No, that's not right. Oh, my God. That's got to be fun. Um, also, in various gags, when Jake turns himself into a house and won't let the vampire in. <laughs> yes. And I kept being like, just bite Jake. He's right there. He's not. You're not. You don't have to go in the house. Do you think he's elastic enough to prevent himself from actually being bit? I don't. Like, would he just form around the fangs? I mean, Jake's powers are wildly whatever the story dictates. It's true. Yeah. He is like the opposite of plot armor sometimes. Or he got the, bit and infected as a zombie, but that's true. Yeah, that's true. He either has plot armor or anti-plot armor, depending on like plot armor or plot weakness, depending on what it needs. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any more thoughts about steaks? No, I think we can. I mean, yes, but I, no. <laughs> not without doing an entire Besides episode on steaks alone. Yeah. Which maybe <laughs> we'll come back for that someday. We've talked about wanting to do Patreon episodes. That could be a fun. Like, more of a deep dive, dive kind of thing, yeah. Um, after so, talking up how much I love season seven, now after talking about stakes, I hardly remember anything else. I'm, I'm definitely seven. flicking through the episodes real fast. Uh, yeah, so, you've been pretty good. At there's life. a few standout episodes that I know I want to talk about. Yeah, let's, uh, let's mainly just being the more you mow, the more you know. Like that one. So when that episode came out. Uh, Zach, if you remember, we were in our Star Wars campaign where I was playing Demo, and I forget what existential crisis I was having, but it very much aligned with that episode. Like, we played that uh, session, Demo did their stuff, I then watched this episode and had, like, just an emotional crisis about an imaginary robot, like, two imaginary robots. I mean, in uh, fairness, the easiest way to make you have a crisis is to show you an imaginary robot having some vague form of troubles. It's true. <laughs> uh, God, yeah, that's another... I mean, it's still only, you said, like, 20 minutes long? Yeah, it's a, it's a double episode. episode, so, yeah, 22 minutes total. It felt like it should have been a full movie in its own right. Like... Right? That's... That's you really while still being their goofy how, video game. Mm-hmm. I love how they reference Back to Air and how, like, you know, I know we haven't talked in a while, but I'm going to talk. And, like, just that end uh, kind of monologue that Demo does, like, that up to that point was, like, my favorite Adventure Time sequence. Like, I agree. I was that sad that we didn't get the back, but. Yeah. No, it would have been nice to have the voice of air back. You know, he's probably doing other things. (laughs) (laughs) While I'm thinking about BMO and AMO and all the Mo's and just not just all Mo, but like all the Mo's in general. (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. This is going to sound. I want to roll Katamaris with all of them so bad. (laughs) 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 Them and the avatars and better than life. Yeah. (laughs) I can't remember what it's actually called, but it's better than life from fucking red dwarf. So, um, and actually the actual human fashion later on, they all looked like the fucking prince's cousins. And I just wanted to roll Katamaris with everybody. <laughs> Man, I got a Katamari game for the switch a while back because it was on like really wild sale. I should pick that up again. 
It's all I want to do. I n- have never in my life regretted playing Katamari Damacy, so... I'm sure there's a mod out there. Somebody just, like, puts in all of them into the... Oh, my God. I would roll so many Katamaris with Bimo on, especially Bimo Noir. And then after we see that one, we kind of go into a few random, like, I don't know, just standalone episodes that are definitely supposed to just... Like, the one I understand the least and probably the one I like the least is Blank Eye Girl because I don't understand that episode still. Um, one of my favorites is another Demo episode, Angel Face, where Demo becomes a cowboy. Angel Face is great. TV. That gave me yeah. hardcore Steven Universe vibes from later on Steven Universe. Um, Blank Eye Girl is kind <laughs> of fun just because I recently listened to a thing about Black Eyed Kids. The one that I okay. don't, the one I don't get is President Porpoise is missing. It is my least favorite of the ones, and it's not bad. And Banana Guy is kind of fun and like his weird little thing, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's the one that yeah, felt definitely... most like season one adventure time to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this season, I'd agree. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just felt like the amount of character growth I've gotten used to, that one just felt kind of jarring to me. Mm hmm. Sometimes not every day is a growth day. Sometimes you just have to go help the undersea parliament remember that their president is going to be back after a long weekend. Oh, God, that is. <laughs> um, I, I did enjoy, God, what was it? Uh, summer showers where we see. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, I, I'm mad about it. I kind of come to love to hate Lumpy Space Princess as opposed to just. <laughs> my earlier or just despise Lumpy Space mm-hmm. Princess. And I'm like, oh, Princess, you're awful. I was like, fucking die. But uh, <laughs> I do like it because we do see, we see a lot about how Jake is a shitty dad. And he gets mm-hmm. called out on it a lot. And he should, because he's not a good father. But I do like times where we get to see him try. Mm-hmm. Little, when he makes an effort. Yeah, and like we see that, I mean, he really does, he's not a good dad because he's a fucking weirdo, but like <laughs> he really loves his kids. He's really dedicated to them doing well, despite the skateboard mm-hmm. episode that'll come up in a little while. But um, <laughs> I was, that was probably my least favorite episode in quite a while. But. God, it was, I, <laughs> even though I actually really funny. liked Bronwyn. Yeah. I laughed really hard at that, but I was like, man, Jake, you're irredeemable in this episode. But uh, in this one, and I think it was the bit where, like, he didn't think people were clapping enough, so he used his magic powers to make sure every single yeah. person was giving, like, a standing ovation. Like, <laughs> That's how much you love Yola. Yeah, it, it's just one of those, and, you know, my dad and I have this relationship sometimes of, like, I don't understand you. But I do love you quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> then, before we get to, like, a, the important episodes of the last of the season, we still have, like, a King's Ransom, which I am struggling to remember what happened in that episode. Like, in the Hulu description says Ice King suffers a heart-breaking loss, and it's up to Finn and Jake to find the culprit. Uh, yeah, that's but the I one... Just, 
That's the one where Betty gets and first starts tweaking oh. the uh, the crown. The crown. Oh, okay. It as an episode okay. itself is only fine, but it does set up for some interesting character growth later. I was about to say it's more of a setup than anything. Yeah, uh, we yeah. did jump over bad jubies, which isn't much there, but it is the one of the like alternate. It's one of my yeah, favorite of, of the alternate animation styles, which I mean we've talked about. I'm not historically a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it still was, I mean, it's very much a standalone episode, but like some, they, mm-hmm. as a fan of claymation, I really respect the shit that they like were pulling off with it. Mm-hmm. And how at the end, like in the end credits, they just show you like all this set building and like you behind need, the scenes stuff about it. You need to see so this cool. to understand. Right. Kind of, like, <sighs> we spent so many months just for 11 minutes. <laughs> We had to physically make all of this. Scamps was it was cute. Meh. It was it was uh Finn, Finn becomes a Boy Scout leader. In the only way he knows how. Seeing Finn grow is interesting because it you know, it's not that long ago that he never would have been the like grown up model not adult, but like more adult. Because I mean look at season one Finn could not have done this, even if they're both dinguses. Mm-hmm. But like you would never be like they would have joined the candy game without meaning to. Yeah. Uh, I definitely understood where Jake was coming from when he finds out they're making five hundred bucks a day, and he's just repeating five hundred dollars. I'm like, I don't make. I that mean, money. Jake used like, to be a criminal. Five hundred dollars. I started thinking about it for a little right. while oh. there. Hmm. <laughs> I could use $500 a day. <laughs> Let me just scam these guys Those over kids here. just outbeat him at his own fucking game. <laughs> you just have to scam these sticks together. <laughs> I scammed these um, numbers into telling me what they add up to. And you're like, whatever works, dude. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what works, let's do it. Crossover and was a pretty get, big episode. Yeah, because then we get to go back and see like all the effects that we saw from in the human and Jake the dog and we also get that planted seed that we get to see come to fruition at the end of season 9 with the lich hand going into all alternate realities mm-hmm. that was an obvious uh, setup I was like oh god when that's, when is that going to come back that's going to come back <laughs> this one is a lot like what we were saying about the, the uh, ice crown episode of it's a fine episode in its own right but it for the most part feels like it is setting up like bombs to drop later. I thought it was, I mean, I, I think it's it was, a better episode than that one, but I think that like, man, that one, uh, fucking crossover took me by surprise. Cause just the way it starts and it does the right in the fucking middle of everything and everyone's fucking frozen and shit. You may have wondered mm-hmm. how we got here. Kind of like, I was like, Oh man, <laughs> what is going on right now? Oh no. Let me strap in. This is going to be a hell of an episode. And well, it was dope. <laughs> Literally anytime Prismo is involved, I'm down. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not one of my favorite characters, but he tends to be in some of the better episodes of the series. And I mean, I like Prismo, so like it's, I'm like, oh, it's Prismo. Okay, cool. This is going to be a fun episode. I wish they had used him more after this episode, but as far as I remember, we don't really get to see Prismo again. We don't really and see him after this, do we? So no? I think in, in season nine, does do they show him for like two seconds at one point? It's like, him and yeah, Cosmic like, Hour um, hanging out, and they're like, <gasps> I Yeah, I think so. that's yeah. about all we get to see. 
Oh, that makes me sad. I had kind of assumed that Prismo was going to have a big thing going forward, but for the most part, the things that I thought were going to come back for the finale don't seem to be... We'll find out. I'll find out next time. Um, yeah. Hall of Egress um, was a trip. Oh, man. Like, okay, I so I watched... Uh, Finn finally uh, gets that new perspective and finally makes it out of the Hall of Egress. Mm. And I watched this one analysis of this episode and this episode is meant to, I don't know, symbolize Finn leaving behind his childhood and like stepping into that more like adult person that we'll see him become over the next few seasons. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say even and the way like, that he behaves the next couple episodes, even directly after this, you're like, oh shit, this is a way more adult Finn. Mm-hmm. And Jake even almost yeah, has like, a hard time believing it at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is we we talked about the amount that he changed, especially last like seasons four through six. But this is he's season seven is where he really rounds the corner. He is now a late teen. And I'm not going to call a late teen an adult because I was 18 and uh, (laughs) no, the fuck I was not an adult. But uh, it's way different than I'm a 14 year old boy kind of. He has matured from the 12-year-old that we initially met. Oh, yeah. Well, it reminded me of a version, I don't know how widespread of a trope this is, but I feel like I've ran into it in a few different properties. Uh, It's usually, I feel like it's usually handled a little bit different way, but where, like, one character will get, like, separated from the group and sucked into an alternate dimension where they live, like, two years by themselves and then come back and they're Mm -hmm. like, by the way, now I'm not a little shit. I've seen some <laughs> stuff. I like that. I've trope. had to live thousands of lifetimes. I've gained some perspective. I like that trope. I like it more when it's used these days than when it was big in sci-fi in the nineties, mm. because they were so mm-hmm. focused on pure episodic stuff that like, uh, the, the example I'm thinking of is star Trek Voyager. The, the, the ship's computer, the ship's doctor is a hologram. And at one point they send mm-hmm. him to live, and find information on this planet that is going their their time is going thousands of years in the space of like a couple of hours on Voyager. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they send the doctor oh, and he I lives like, it's a great episode, but he lives like 2000 years on this planet mm-hmm. or at least 200 years. I don't know, but like, Centuries. Aside from being Not a couple an hours. overworked hologram. And then he comes back like. and the next episode he is exactly the same person he was before. Uh, Star Trek has this feeling a couple of times with some of their like all-time great episodes and the next episode, you're like, that trauma's gone, it's fine now. (laughs) You know how O'Brien's going through massive trauma because he was put into a prison falsely and spent like 10 years and four days? Uh, (laughs) Never mind, it's cool. Watch O'Brien have another bad day! He's going to be playing darts this episode. <laughs> um, actually, another Look, thing. We just gave him a in that episode, a character is falsely accused of a crime, and the way they deal with prison sentences is just injecting like 20 years of prison sentence into your brain. Oh, shit. But it's okay. like solitary confinement and a fake prison like roommate that he had, he ends up murdering in it as they're like alone for 10 years together and like he's breaking down over the memories of killing this guy and everyone else saw him like yesterday and then the next you know same kind of and then the next episode he's perfectly fine i was like no star trek 
No. Um, so the fact that Adventure also, Time... stop letting... Uh, no more O'Brien must suffer. But... Uh, right. The, the fact that this episode in Adventure Time does, even if it's not like wildly overt changes, but just a, a subtle yet distinct shift in his character after this is really important. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the fact that we've seen him go through, like maybe not as intense of a journey like this, but we've seen him go through those internal journeys before. And we've seen how he's like dealt with and been affected by them. So to see this one have that like more instantaneous lasting and noticeable effect, like even just to the next episode, like, ah, the number of times that Jake and Bimo just like pop up and force him to open his <laughs> eyes and the just like eternal sigh that he gives off of this is, uh, <laughs> it's not the most important epi- moment of the episode. It might be my favorite moment of the episode. <laughs> After flute spell. Uh, team Huntress wizard. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Uh, flute spell is about the ultimate. We saw like first relationship team dating with flame princess this is about the ultimate, like, kind of edgy, but kind of, like, getting used to dating. Later mm-hmm. teen dating experience of, like, you're both super into each other and openly into each other. But for really dumb reasons, you find excuses of why you're not gonna be. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy seeing Jake being like, no, that's dumb. This is dumb reasoning. <laughs> this is Anytime either Jake or Finn calls the other one out on the, this is a bad idea. Like, oh, <laughs> Thank you for being our audience surrogate right now. <laughs> also, his life would go so much better if team, if what was her name? Huntress. Huntress wizard. Yeah. Huntress wizard. If mm-hmm. she just hung out with them way more often, every mini series going forward would have gone wildly different. Yeah. But she's got her own stuff she's doing. Oh yeah. But I feel like Jake would be super into that. Jake loves wild adventures. Not Jake, Finn. I mean, I keep doing that. We've also seen Huntress Wizard before, like when we went to Wizard City, uh, like way back in like season two or three. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so, like, real. Yeah, she's, she's been around. Weird. Yeah. I might have to go back to that episode now. Because I think it's uh, the one where Finn, Jake, and Princess Bubblegum have to infiltrate Wizard City and. Or is that the one where Ice King is joining the secret society? Ooh. It's one of those two episodes. I, I, yeah, I know she's come up a couple of times. Um, keeping up is keeping episodes apart at this point in my life. I just, mm-hmm. I'm not even trying anymore. <laughs> there is just adventure time. And after Flute Spell, we get the end of season seven with Thin Yellow Line. And we get to get a deeper exploration of the banana guard. This one, I don't remember that well. Um, they, someone is, a banana guard is uh, doing graffiti, so they go undercover to try mm. and track down. It's good. I think it's one of the weakest season finales, but that's because every other season finale has tended to be, like, some big plot episode. Like a big, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think... And all of our plot-heavy episodes happened at other points in season seven, so... I don't think it's a good season finale. I do think it's a decent episode. And it is one of those moments where we see Princess Bubblegum remember to treat her subjects like people. Yeah. I mean, even 
Like, this is the first time that we ever get to see the banana guards being differentiated outside of just being banana guards. Mm-hmm. Um, even that one episode, uh, the James episode, where we get that one throwaway, throwaway line from the banana guard uh, talking about how it would be nice if they would all just be the same. Yeah. And, like, he just kind of harps on that for just a little bit too long. You're like, are you okay? <laughs> uh, and now we get to kind of see, I don't know, just under the peel, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's fun. <laughs> I liked that we had the one banana guard to be like, I don't have any special skills. And she's like, that's good, too. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just... <laughs> You don't need to be like a brilliant artist to still matter is I think a good lesson to drop on people. Um, we didn't mention. Right. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just agreeing with oh. that sentiment. Uh, we didn't mention this at the end of stakes where uh, PB takes over again. I was kind of, I wanted to see the reign of crunchy. <laughs> uh, right? Princess crunchy. I was super down to see what shenanigans the candy kingdom were going to get up to. When ruled by the Candy Kingdom people, as opposed to PB or a huckster, <laughs> it was going to be bad. But oh, yeah, like, it was going to be real bad. <laughs> Every single time a Candy citizen has taken over rule, quote unquote, of the Candy Kingdom, it immediately devolved into a dictatorship like Defo. Like every single time. <laughs> I mean, with the exception of, uh, well, I guess they're not in charge, but uh, Cinnamon Bun grows the exact opposite direction, which is super strange to see from the, like, you know, a, uh, imbecile, really, yeah. from the early stuff. See, I have this weird, like, uh, it's my own headcanon theory, but, like, since in, like, season one we see Cinnamon Bun and he gets his head, and, like, they call him, like, soft-baked or, like, under-baked, like, not quite right in the head, I think that his going to the Fire Kingdom, like, then solidified him, baked his inside, so he became that more stable, solid person. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So that's just my take on that. And Sinun Bun never actually took over a kingdom. He was just a knight and confident to Princess uh, Flame Princess. That's true. Like he was, he was never in charge. But like I don't know, he was. He's the only candom, Candy Kingdom person we've seen gain power. And not have it go terribly. True. And he's become competent enough that, like, he can live a life. Yeah. Some of them, I don't believe, like, live normal lives in any sense. No. When they're off screen, they're off screen for a reason. And it's because it is just wild, not making sense times because they are. Like, Jackalberry and Cupcake Man, I never want to know what they do when we don't see them. Right. Because it will be insane. I feel like if Crunchy had stayed, he would have been assassinated by Starchy, and that's when PB would have been like, nope, we're not doing this. <laughs> Starchy will not be leading my country. Um... Starchy's the princess now. <laughs> Starchy, princess Starchy's gro- uh, dug a grave for you. Oh, God. <laughs> uh... Do we have anything else in season seven or do we want to jump to season eight here? Well, just how you were saying, uh, thin yellow line is kind of like a, a pretty weak season end. I think just in my head from now on, I'm going to say crossover is the end of season seven. Hall of Egress is the start of season eight and everything just paces better. Yeah. Okay. I think you're right. Actually. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I can see that. 
Also, Thin Yellow Line, just as a name, hits differently now than I'm sure it did when it came out five years right, ago, like six years ago. It was probably ago. meant to be, like, the, the riff on, like, you know, her... Um, oh, it was yeah. definitely mocking Thin Blue Line, but, like, those words felt a lot less hostile several years ago. It's true. Back in 2016. Uh, but, I mean, season season eight opens real strong with Broke His Crown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where we get the payoff from the previous Crown episode and more time with... I mean, I'm always excited to have more time with Simon himself. I was surprised mm -hmm. how happy I was to see Dinosaur Gunther again. <laughs> I just Dinosaur now realized... Dinosaur Gunther is so good. I just now realized that Dinosaur Gunther is um, Pamela Adlin. How, who else is Pamela Adlin? Uh, Bobby Hill. Oh, oh, oh my god! No! <laughs> I mean, I could see Gunther saying, that's not my purse, I don't know you, or that's my purse, I don't know you, so like... Oh my god, yeah, he just needs the fucking Texas accent. Oh my god. I never realized that. <laughs> I love voice actors so much. So, yeah, that... Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I want to know so much more about the other people who have put on the crown at various points. <laughs> the real Santa. <laughs> the real Santa. Sorry, the first, the first Santa. Sorry, not the real Santa. The first, first Santa. I don't know what that means. Who's Santa? And you're like, oh no, that's actually kind of sad. <laughs> uh, wow. That's like another thing that like the crew has mentioned like in the writing of the world of Ooh, like they intentionally make it to where like there are so many things about this world that like we see evidence of, but we never get any backstory or information on. And so, like, just the unexplored depths of Ooh is such an untapped resource. So, one other super deep cut for Pamela Adlon, just because I was trying to remember why we talked about her on Fried Squirms before. Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. Was she the She's girl the action the, girl. Uh, red suit, blonde hair, uh, yeah, yeah. pretty cool, big... Jesus Christ. Okay. And uh, John DiMaggio is the first guy to die in that one of like the Merc group. That one doesn't surprise me. The first one fucks me up and I'm kind of mad that the next time I watch Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which is probably going to be soon because I just backed the Vampire Hunter D Kickstarter thing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hear fucking Bobby Hill. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's wild. Oh, God. Now part of me wants to drop Bobby Hill wearing what she wears in that, but the other part of me <laughs> desperately does not want to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a big King of the Hill fan. I've seen like three episodes and went, that was fine. Oh, I've watched so much King of the Hill. I'm sure I would actually get really into it if I watched it. It's such a fun slice of life anime. Mm -hmm. And yes, I stand by that statement. I'm not anyway. fighting. Literally no one was fighting you on that one. <laughs> I don't care. Okay. You just start like <laughs> hearing the uh, listeners in your head. You're a true podcaster. Yes. Now. Um, but anyway, back to season eight. Uh, don't uh, look is kind of where we're at now. Where mm -hmm. Finn gets the magic glasses and keeps turning people into, uh... How he sees them. Oh, yeah, that was a neat episode. Like, I love that he transforms her into a uh, teenage boy heartthrob and she just becomes, like, a 90s tomboy. Yeah. It's like, oh... You're just my bro. Like, that's I, how he views her now. Part of... <laughs> Heartthrob, but like you're just my bro. But I mean, teenage boy heartthrob, heartthrob definitely implies <laughs> there's still something there. And like, 
I was just bros and super into someone who looked like that when I was about wait. 15 years old. So wait, wait, uh, I think what you're thinking of is like the joke when uh, Bubblegum is trying to like pick between the two suits and she mentions like uh, teen boy heartthrob or successful business president or something. Well, she says, And then after. Yeah, but then she's like teen boy heartthrob it is. Yeah, that's because she is now left with the only option because she is a teen boy now. Uh, fair enough. I was also just into tomboys that dressed like that when I was about 14. So it's still, it kind of works both directions. Fair. I've always been into a girl that could beat me up. You've met my wife. I know. <laughs> oh, geez. Beyond the Grotto was such a weird episode. Because that's the one where they go into the water nymphs, like, alternate dimension. And we get another episode where all of the characters are just different characters. Oh, yeah, that's right. It honestly kind of reminds me of the kind of thing that you would make. Because I've seen the videos you make. <laughs> um, it is a... It's not a plot episode. It's just a mood episode. But it's a really weird kind of mood episode like it, it's it's let's just play with surrealism for 11 minutes straight where did they get the sea lard i don't remember that uh i feel like the first time sea lard was mentioned was um the first time i can think of is in like demo noir because that's the prize that Finn wins at the barbecue that they go to mm. God, they're willing to go way back for deep cuts. Yeah. I mean, we get we get the return of Tiny Manticore, and I think next season? I mean, Tiny Manticore is in... Or wait, no. We get that because we get the normal man episode, yeah. Uh, I mean, before beyond before that, we have Lady Rainicorn's backstory. Yeah. Which yeah. I've been missing Lady Rainicorn. Like, I feel like we have gotten a criminal lack of Lady Rainicorn in the second half of this series. It's really fun. When I was watching this, I was like, man, it feels like I haven't seen Lady Rainicorn. Oh, okay. We were in this episode right now. Cool. They knew what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> she's just, I don't know. She's doing her own thing. It was a fine episode. I mean, I wasn't. I was just happy to see her again. I was happy to see her. My favorite part of it. I mean, one TV's awful. I just want to get that out there. TV sucks. <laughs> but uh, anytime her parents like stop by and then like when they're leaving, being like, that boy sucks. Something that I've really enjoyed uh, through like rewatching the series is how all of Jake's children have and like personality trait or interest from Jake or like their parents and mm -hmm. TV's expression of that is continuing um, the investigations that like Joshua and Margaret do. Mm -hmm. And this, this episode and the one where uh, TV reads the diary for Miss Pound Cake mm -hmm. uh, are, are just kind of set up to that. And I, don't know, I, know, I like it because we see that uh, maybe the least, applicable one would be Kim Kill Wan because we never see Jake as successful or organized or uh, maybe Kim Kill Wan takes more after Lady Rainicorn. I think he exists to offer a counter to Jake. Mm -hmm. Like if we ever need to see where Jake sucks, 
him showing up is one of those episodes where that's going to come out, even though I lean more towards Jake than I do the capitalist. <laughs> that goes into Iron yeah. Sword, right? Yep. Yeah. Which I had or kind- Finn Sword. I had kind of forgotten about the Finn Sword before this, and then I suddenly like cared and was fucked up by the Finn Sword. I mean, that's kind of like what they wanted that episode to be, because like even Finn takes the Finn Sword for granted, even though it's literally himself. Jake's solution of I'm just going to tape on a face of Finn is way creepier than I would expect it to be. But you're like, oh, God, that's um, that is uncomfortable. Uh, the like sad, ugly wood sword that they make him as a replacement. Also, I love that uh, Bandit Princess is voiced by Amy Sedaris, who right now, I mean, at the same time I was watching these, I was watching her as the... Uh, the mechanic in Book of Boba Fett and mm-hmm. Mandalorian. <laughs> that means she fucked a Jawa. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. Now that meme that I saw makes way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> she just mentions in passing that she dated a Jawa, but yeah. Wait, no. Now it makes less sense because the, the meme that I saw was... Uh, Fucking Poe Dameron saying that. Oh, no, that's just someone picking a, okay. a thing for a meme. But yeah, uh, Amy Sedaris's mechanic character from Mando mentions that she dated a Jawa. Okay. And that they're really and, hairy. And so that canonically, that means that uh, <laughs> a named character... I don't know, maybe she's asexual. Maybe. Maybe the Jawas are asexual. I don't know. I don't <laughs> That's fair. We don't know. <laughs> the way the joke was played did not imply it. That. No, they did not feel like. Yeah. It, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, back to Adventure Time. Uh, we get um, Bun Bun, which is a nice little. Let's tie up some stuff in the Fire Kingdom. Which, like that episode, also kind of ties into my theory of like Cinnabon Bun becoming like that more, like I don't know, more well-rounded adult figure through shaking in the Fire Kingdom. He just wasn't put in the oven long enough. What I like about this episode is the moment where Finn and uh, Fire Princess become actually friends again. Mm-hmm. Like they had that we've mm-hmm. broken up and we still like care about each other, but it's uncomfortable. And there, here's the moment where we move past that because I have that with a few exes of mine. And being able to get to that point in a relationship with someone is something I really cherish. Like that I've been able to mm-hmm. do that. So seeing that expressed is really good because for especially growing up so much representation is good yeah Mm -hmm. and especially so much when i was growing up when the girlfriend and the boyfriend break up either they just never mention the relationship again and are fine a la smallville or that person literally leaves the show Mm -hmm. like literally Mm -hmm. is just gone forever so having that Having that struggle as someone who has, you know, kept friendships with exes, uh, I don't know. It it just felt very, not very important, and but important. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see and to, like, have, like, even though Finn apologized, like, he realized that his apology wasn't genuine. And he realized now through, like, time and perspective, mm-hmm. like, he does need to apologize again. And it's nice to see him take ownership of that. Well, I know we talked about it a lot last episode, but damn, Finn. 
And his, apolo- his apology was as genuine as he was capable of being, but because he didn't understand what he did, which, come on, Finn. You fucked mm-hmm. up. God, that is... You done goofed, boy. It really is, like, Finn's worst moments as a person across the nine seasons of this show I've watched, which is remarkable. It is his all- lowest point. It's remarkable because he's almost destroyed reality more than once. <laughs> but the manipulating mm-hmm. flame princess to fight uh, Ice King because it gives him a boner is literally his worst part. <laughs> yes. Also, Keith David is, I mean, anything Keith David wants. I would listen to him read a dictionary. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to dispute that. And, you know, Keith David takes over a little group of squirrels and becomes the squirrel princess, I guess now all for it, all for it. Uh, that brings us to normal man, which is what you were talking about earlier with tiny manticore. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, we also get to see like all the culmination of like the Mars storyline and normal man and grab glob God. Grob. I don't know. Yes. All of them. It is interesting that I'm starting to think of moments of these being like, oh, yeah, this is the finale to that story. Also, how did you make me not despise Magic Man? I guess. No, I still fucking hate Magic Man. Normal Man is a putz. Normal Man is not Magic Man. I will 100 percent believe that the way he wins them over with brownies is those are pot brownies. And I will accept no arguments to this. No, uh, that's kind of was my thought. too. I like <laughs> Those are going to be weed brownies, and they are going to love them. Uh, also, even though he's a dick this episode, I dig me some tiny manacore. Manacores are one of my favorite mythological beasts, and just seeing him fly around makes me so happy. Well, and he's a dick, but it's also him dealing with his traumas, kind of. Mm-hmm. like it, It's easy to forgive characters in fiction when they are dealing with their traumas, even though it is like... <laughs> If I met them in person, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck that you have traumas right there. You don't get to do that to people. But that's the glory of fiction. That one joke of like, of course you can go back. It probably wasn't that bad. And then normal man remembering his time on Mars. And he's just rolling over every (laughs) single citizen of Mars while the king of Mars is just (laughs) conchized. He's like, yeah, about that. <laughs> it was. I was actually bad and terrible. Uh, this brings oh. us to the introduction of the Elementals. Mm-hmm. Which, I guess we had seen the Elementals before when we saw the creation of the Ice Crown, but like, yeah. it yep. didn't even... That was our first indication that the Elementals existed. But at the but time, we didn't get I didn't... any context even really put it together what that was i was like oh it's a crazy powerful wizard no it's a literal elemental yeah it's a it's a straight Mm -hmm. up force of nature because like that entire episode was set up to like have you think that like ice elemental was just meant to like that's the reason why the crown is the way it is but then we get to see you no it was just because his mutated wizard servant loved him so much that he wanted to become him that's why ice king is the way he is (sighs) oh Uh, has nothing to do with ice magic. (laughs) Right. Again, representation with terrible father figures and their children having to deal with the ramifications of it. I will say, I have good father figures and I still found places where, like, I identified. (laughs) I think it's just the fact that parents fuck you up. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have yet to meet anyone, even people who like their parents through it's like, mm, yeah, I'm totally fine. Uh, but with, uh, the elementals, the idea that slime princess matters so much is really funny to me for some reason, <laughs> because she's just been complete, like, background, non-entity. Yeah, I think we see hot dog princess more than we see slime princess. We had an entire slime princess-centric episode, though. Yeah, That's but, true. I mean, we also had a ghost princess-centric episode, like, it's... And we never saw her again, but that's because she ascends to the 50th dead world. This is my point, though. Like, it never would have occurred to me. I mean, she's a fun background character, but, like, that's like Ted from Scrubs. Like, she she adds to the world, but I never would have expected her to be a major player in it. Also, their concepts of, all right, we're going to say, you know, the four elements, but we're going to like, just fire, be- ice, okay, I'm down. Candy and slime. And they're like, God, you are what? just an easy-bake oven. Like, that is... And I mean, we're going to get there in this episode anyway. And then the anti-elemental is fucking lumps. <laughs> fucking lumpy space princess. I, you know what? I still don't, I kind of disliked those episodes just because of how much she had to be in them. But it is so fucking clever to make her that important. Mm-hmm. No, she makes me angry. She She does. <laughs> Because, yeah, like like you guys, most of the people who, like, were watching the show as it was coming out were like, oh, my God. Like, even though Wolfie State Princess is, like, you know, very charismatic, like, I don't know, just person on screen, like, terrible, horrible being and hate having to interact with her. And then just to have her be this important. And, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for you guys to start season 10 and I don't want to spoil that so I won't say anything <laughs> don't worry next episode you'll be able to just unleash everything everything <laughs> I know you've been having to hold back on every one of these episodes so like, we're just gonna let right? you unload like, there have just been so many like little bitty like elements that I can't like mention the full extent of like why that's important <laughs> uh ten short or five short tables the the creation of gravels Mostly, I just enjoy anything that will use uh, Fiona and Cake. Mm-hmm. It remains charming. I don't have anything to say about this episode beyond the fact that, yeah. I thought it was a fun way to, uh, I don't know, like, in-world create the existence of the Gravels eventually. Mm-hmm. So that's probably about the extent of, like, why I enjoy that episode for its part in the series but that's just because I love all the Grable's episodes and I love the Grable master. Um, next would be the musical. Musical and was fine. I liked it. Like it was a, I don't know. Like thought it was kind of touching like the, the emotional mm-hmm. talk about just having to deal with loss and stuff. But overall it was just kind of an okay episode. I, I felt anytime there's an episode where someone gets over their own tragedies by helping somebody else that, that uh, hits me where I live, but, mm-hmm. and it's like a, a really well done example of that. But as an episode itself, it's good. It has that really good song from Marceline. That's true. Mm-hmm. Anytime Marceline sings, we are better off in the world for it. So I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. And then we get to see the return of card wars. Uh, more Jake backstory. In Daddy Daughter Card Wars, where uh, Charlie 
we find out that Charlie's just like a badass witch <laughs> and does her own thing. Uh, and that and Jake and has a very definite type. Any Charlie yeah. is fucking maybe from the rest of development. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can see that now. Uh Anytime they feel like making fun of Magic the Gathering, I'm really down for that. Or I guess Magic the Gathering players more specifically. It makes me miss, um, miss playing Magic. I'm scared to play Magic with you. <laughs> I haven't played in like four or five years now. It's been a bit, but I miss it. My favorite part of this is straight up the fact that Emo, uh, that Bimo was with them in the moment that he pulled out cards. Bimo was like, no, and jumped out of the boat. Like, <laughs> I do not play such games with Jake. <laughs> I feel you, Bimo. I did like that Jake lost. Like, I think that it has a lot more power with Jake not winning and not being a dick about it, as opposed to like, now that we're together, we're invincible. <laughs> I like Rich Sommer, but I kept thinking that Grand Prix really should have been voiced by like Stephen Merchant. Fair enough. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know. He, he felt right in that role to me, but. Uh, preboot and reboot are two-parter for this season. Mm-hmm. And this basically just sets up Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where Fern is first created. Although he won't really become a thing till the next episode, but... Again, these are fine episodes. I think a I think lot of the things... Season- like you said, it sets up for Islands. It feels unfinished in the end. I think this mm-hmm. is my problem with a lot of, like, as we're digging through this half season eight. Season eight is good. It's not as good as season seven, and it's making it a little hard to talk about. Because, like, this was good. I, I liked this was it. Fine. I understand where this is important and where it leads, but it was fine. Like, a lot of it is just set up for what's going to come after. Mm-hmm. Like, that's largely what season eight is. And well, and that's pretty a- much all of uh, the islands is to, like, answer... And he's those lingering questions about Finn's family and that journey that he goes through. So all the other episodes that they have left to this season, like, then kind of end up feeling like, I don't know, filler episodes? That said, I really loved the James Baxter episode. James Baxter! Uh, the, The first James Baxter episode, I was like, this is fun, this is nice, whatever. This one I, like, connected to for some reason. Mm hmm. I mean, it's a story about an artist losing his entire sense of worth and like needing to just learn how to be an artist again for himself. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you connect with that? Well, and picking up a new medium, because I definitely had that of like, I I lost the ability to draw for a while. I mean, I could still draw, but like it never clicked. I wasn't having fun with it, whatever, whatever. And then picking up Mm leatherworking or in, you know, picking up podcasting and being like, oh, my God. I feel like a new rush of, of doing stuff. So that does, I, I hadn't put it together that specifically, but yeah. Um, also the, like I have picked up this dominant part of my personality, at least in part because it allows people to identify me mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And then just having to reinvent yourself mm-hmm. and just the return of James Baxter and his animation. That is pretty great. Jelly beans have power, but that's pretty much just a setup for the beginning of season nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, it was a okay episode. It was fine. We're just to me the best part of it was having Alan Tudyk as the voice of Chapsbury. I just anything Alan Tudyk <laughs> wants to do. Yeah, really. Anything I mean, Alan anything. Tudyk wants to do. Absolutely. I, 
The fact that he did the dances, like his wife designed the dances for the opening of Peacemaker. And he and he did them. I want to see those videos. So James Gunn, you have to fucking put that on YouTube. Um, all right. This brings us to Islands. I only really have like one thing to say about Islands and it's way towards the end. So if you guys have stuff. Uh, I just realized we skipped over. Um, I guess they're just random bit episodes before Islands, like the Do No Harm, where Finn becomes a doctor, which actually also is a setup for Islands, because, you know, we learn all the backstory about Finn's mom and whatnot, but we'll get into that in a second. That's fair. Uh, I would have actually loved Finn to become a doctor if he got training first. Like, I could see him being really (laughs) good at that. It just turns out you can't jump straight to doctor. Only because we've done it so recently, it reminded me of the episode of Miracle Workers, where (laughs) she becomes a doctor in the Middle Ages. And then it turns out (laughs) no one has an idea. Oh, God, it's so good. I hadn't put those two together, but yeah, that's straight up. I've put on this coat, and now I'm a doctor. Uh, I love that Dr. Princess's name is Doctor. (laughs) Yes, just like Dr. Krieger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I guess we we already kind of talked about wheels. A mm-hmm. little bit. Yeah. Oh, God, I skipped us over a bunch. I'm sorry. Um, That's okay. It's because... But now were... we're back on the island. Oh, and fucking real quick. Tree Trunks is high oh. strangeness. Yes. Which I'm pretty <laughs> sure... alien baby. I'm pretty sure is based off an actual alien abduction story that I, like, have listened to episodes on that I'm like, oh, you... Oh, that. honey, you need to... How is there not a porn parody of this, first of all? But, like, uh, hmm, you should talk to somebody that is not whoever is helping you write this book. You know what? I'm not going to look it up, but after she makes them hold hands in the end, there is definitely some uh, Rule 34 of Mr. Pig and their alien husband. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Highlands. Um, Highlands, yes. Uh, I think besides just like Bemo becoming God King in their like fantasy world, which again, like at that time, it was shortly after Bemo, my Bemo, gained the data. Mm. So again, that episode was me very specifically. <laughs> that was far and away my favorite episode of of islands probably i yeah. mean oddly i liked the very first intro setup for islands more than i liked most of islands just the one where they I decide mean, to go on this trip because it's a very important moment for finn even if he's not mm-hmm. even if he's not admitting it and we get bits with susan strong oh god alva and her backstory with Alva mm-hmm. and her bear, there was one thing that just like leapt out at me from the screen, just like I was talking about some of the pop culture references last uh, last episode. Mm-hmm. They make her bear sit up at one point, and it's just straight Snorlax. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that that like there's also a, a specific shot where like it's intended to have him also look like Totoro. Like, with his claws and stuff? Well, those are definitely... Snorlax definitely is based a little bit off Totoro, and I will never (laughs) believe otherwise, having watched Totoro. True. But also, like, I love that that episode specifically for just another example of using language as a storytelling device. Mm -hmm. Because even though, like, probably the majority of people do not speak Swedish, like, we still understand through context, like, 
pretty much everything that Alma says. Like, even if it's just through, like, kind of carryover words that sound similar in, like, an English sense, or just through, like, the context of watching what's happening on the screen, even if we don't understand the words. I'm talking about weed a lot, but I had just taken an edible right before this episode, (laughs) and it kicked in right when she started talking, and I had a moment of, like, (laughs) am I really high? Am I having a stroke? (laughs) Am I supposed to be understanding what this woman is saying? (laughs) <laughs> and I just watched a translation episode of like a specifically like what she says and the majority of it like if you're imagining it through context that's pretty much what she says but uh there's a few lines like uh like when she first catches Finn and her bear is about to eat Finn she's like no I'm sorry Alvin that one's not food uh, I haven't seen one like this in a long time. Let's find out why he's here. And then they take Finn back to her camp. And then we learn that, like, she was one of the original, like, researchers on this island from those people. Mm-hmm. The woman who voices her is about as different looking as possible from yes. her character. I just noticed that myself. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know if I... Helena Matson. she is a very... You know, she is a, uh, a very sweet. Not a tiny old woman? Yeah, no, she's a uh, rather attractive blonde. Skinny blonde. Mm-hmm. From Sweden, no. I know, right? Like, she <laughs> picture attractive Swedish woman, and that's pretty much what we're looking at right here. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so in uh, part six, uh, where we learn more about uh, Martin and his time on the island, um, the sequence where right before the hiders with the tiger come and like try and like mess them up for not taking them off the island mm-hmm. uh, there's a moment where Martin and Finn are sitting and it is an exact shot for shot recreation of back in season I think six right before Martin decorporealizes from the comet in the visitor um, he's sitting with Finn uh, in between his legs, and in the episode The Visitor, he like specifically mentions like to Finn, like, "Wow, have you ever seen anybody sit like this?" And then we see him like, you know, back in the past, sitting um... with Finn like that as he's a baby. So like, in a weird way, I feel like that was Martin trying to be a dad to Finn. Mm-hmm. This kind and of... only with like, yeah. This episode kind of threw me because, like, it it made it harder for me to believe that Martin didn't even register that Finn was his son and then didn't give a shit when the time came. Because he clearly loves Finn very much. He kept reminding me of Greg Universe from Steven Universe in this episode. Like, he's kind of a bum, but, like, he's a good dad. And, like, he fucking fights a giant robot for Finn. But then later on, when he sees Finn, he's like, yeah, whatever. Just gonna ditch you to die I mean, like that doesn't... again. Like Martin mentioned it himself. Like eventually, he had to stop thinking about the pain that like having to leave his family and make those choices caused him. That like he just had to forget everything mm-hmm. in order to survive, in order to continue. Uh, really, uh, really explains Finn's uh, ocean fear, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, that really drives home some childhood traumas that he did not know about 
no, like going back and listening to how Finn talks about like his fear of the ocean and a few other like smaller things, like really come to light, like how much his time alone as a baby, like because in theory he spent a long time just floating on the ocean alone, isolated, and mm. so that's. It's neat to see that inform his choice of like always helping people, always being there for people. And oh my gosh! Even ah, though I know ah, his, sorry. even though I know his childhood is so tragic, literally all I can think of when I think of Baby Finn is the fucking buff baby dance. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of like when Joshua and Margaret find him on the leaf, and. Uh, Margaret's like, oh, this baby just needs some kisses in love. And then Josh was like, well, I'm not giving you any more sugar, so you take a bath. That's my favorite weird throwaway line about Finn baby. Uh, Finn's mom, I guess. Do we have? I was going to say, uh, human society? Uh, hmm. Being trapped on the island and this kind of a big old weird enforced caste system and the weird... It's, Seeker police and it's much more believable than it should be. Um, and I mean, especially it can like consider how we saw the people in stakes who became the founders of these islands. Mm-hmm. Like, think about their choices, their fears, their motivations, and like how after thousands of years that would eventually evolve into the society. Well, and it ties into, I mean, th- this was a whole big love letter to a bunch of like old school dystopian sci-fi mm-hmm. like uh brave new world mm-hmm. the giver mm-hmm. a bunch of others mm-hmm. that are just not coming to my mind because i haven't read them since high school but like you know all this Ready player one probably yeah i don't care about that one though um yeah all of the ones that were like hey here's the society and here's the perfect utopia but it turns out it's not a perfect utopia mm-hmm all the shit that people are trying to ban these days. Um, it's yeah. yeah, it wasn't one of those things like it hasn't been done before, but it kind of caught me by surprise when I was like, oh, shit. Oh, this is where we're going back to. OK, what how how's Finn going to how's Finn going to liberate them? Yeah, because we can't we can't just leave this be. Well, and it's interesting that he did that, but also had a kind of prime directive moment on the previous island where he's like, no, we have to let these dumb human offshoot do their dumb human things. Like, and then he gets to this other one. He's like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> Although even there, it's not that he's saying that people can't live that life if that's what they want. It's that the choice needs to be. There. Yes, the choice ex- has to exist. Because they're like, oh, sh- you mean we're leaving now? No, I got shit I got to do. And he's like, OK, well, as long as you can leave. Later. Later. <sighs> Again, I can't wait for season 10. I, ass- ah. I assumed there was going to be something along those lines in season 10. Although a lot of stuff I assumed was in season 10, I've found out in the last hour and a half of recording that uh, they are not. True. Like, I mean, I remember when this was coming out, like, once the mini season started coming out, I was like, okay, I have no idea where the fuck they're going with this. And was just like completely along for the ride. And now upon, like, rewatching it, there's just, I know I keep saying this, but, like, I don't know, the amount of depth that this show builds upon itself, like, it's so cool to watch happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's one thing, I knew it was going to come, but it, it even though I knew it was coming, it was almost hard to believe while watching episodes one, or seasons one through three, and being like, this is a good <laughs> show. 
And I can see where the seeds are going, but like seeing it versus experiencing it is definitely a different experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to jump to season nine? Do we have anything left on? We're going That's real fast through offer. islands, but islands is it is a decent dystopian sci-fi fiction, a la nineteen sixties. And it's mostly just meant to wrap up those lingering questions that, like, people were like constantly talking about, like, oh well, like speculating about his mom or like his past or something. And I know there was like a really big theory of like maybe he is one of those like other humans. I don't know, like kind of like that whole like is Susan an actual human or not type thing. Mm. And they tried to push that for a while, and so it was nice at the time like when this was airing to like finally have that definite answer after like eight seasons of wondering. I don't know what they're doing with Distant Lands where they did like the BMO miniseries and the other stuff. I don't know if they're doing a Susan Strong one. I would love to see more of Susan and her partner after this. Um, But I also like Susan just Mm -hmm. getting to be who she wants to be now. Like, her, I mean, we also, skipped over it almost entirely. Her story's tragic as fuck. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I betrayed you. I'm like, no, you did not. In fairness, you did not betray her. Right. You you were mind controlled. You were literally like, conditioned and programmed. <laughs> yeah, literally. But I, also, I was after, um, after listening to Alice Isn't Dead, uh, realizing that that's the same voice actress for... Um, Susan's partner. I am blanking on her character's name right now. But the actress's name is Jessica Nicole, so that's cool. Yeah. She's also on, like, Fringe or something like that. Mm. I don't remember Mm. what. Um, Season 9, I guess. Do we have... Season 9. Yo, the design of Orb was dope. Uh, Nightmare Princess is my favorite new princess. (laughs) I love all of their dream episodes. At At this point, it's, like... It is a very well done dream episode, but like all of the dream episodes are kind of they're fun. They're, they're wacky. Dream episodes. They're yeah. weird. They're showing where the people's brains are at, but it's mostly let's have fun with animating this. Mm-hmm. And I then f- we jump straight from it, the end of Orb into Elements. That's just where it leads. I think Elements is the weakest of the three miniseries. It really is. Like, I still like it. I still enjoy it. But after watching Islands and Space, this one just left something to be, I don't know, there was something where I was wanting out of it, but it just didn't happen until season 10. I like the setting more than Islands, but I think the overall story is weaker. Oh, like, I love I love the, like, extreme version of the, the kingdoms and mm-hmm. everybody, like... <laughs> changed into those different versions of themselves and shit. Like that was dope. I find, I wasn't expecting them to all immediately like surrender to their worst impulses or like fall into the different things. I found it super believable that the, Hey, relax, everything will be cool is where Jake's like, all right, I guess I'm done now. <laughs> also, I love that. Let me free. Space princess has broken into slime kingdom twice to go party. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, LSP. Oh, oh yeah. I get it. Sorry. LP slime princess, yeah. <laughs> Not LSP. LSP. <laughs> it's, I mean, the fact that, I don't know, it, it's important th- for 
the stories going onwards for seeing like it's very important as a fan of Simon but as you know I don't know mm-hmm. it, it doesn't when it comes to Simon episodes there are other ones that I think are way better in an 11 minute mm-hmm. period it does really cement yeah. Simon as like I mean he's been leading up to this for seasons now but he's not the bad guy anymore he's a nut bar but he's not mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then once they get through elements, and I'm trying to think of like anything that I want to like talk about with that specifically, and I just can't think of anything because right after elements, we get one of my weirdly favorite episodes, Abstract, where we get to learn a little bit more about Jake. Not entirely mm-hmm. yet, but we'll get there. Um, I just like Jermaine because he's voiced by Tom Sharpling, <laughs> and I like Tom <laughs> Sharpling. Yeah. Also, it is one. I mean, Jake hasn't grown significantly throughout this series. Not in the same way that Finn has. If anything, I'd say he's taken steps back because he's been the character most sort of flanderized. Yeah, I'll give you that. He hasn't had to grow as much as, you know, Finn's grown and he's gone from being the mature one to like the goofy Mm -hmm. one. So having this And he even became an actual dad during that time, so... Uh, so having this point where, like, he does leap forward and suddenly has to deal with that, I think is a good moment for Jake. Also, if anything, I like that his blue alien like... form. <laughs> well, don't worry, we'll get to see more of it soon. Um, but I guess as far as, like, abstract goes, like, that one, uh, you know, I lost my thought. Oh, well. Oh, God, I do that every podcast episode at least once. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know, just seeing him, like, kind of, like, take that moment to, I don't know, acknowledge that maybe he hasn't been going about accepting things the best way. Right. Especially, like, in regards to, like, how we've watched him not be the best dad, even though he's tried, like, I don't know, and in ways, I feel like the writers, I don't know, forced that into the story with how quickly they made the pups grow up, mm-hmm. but whether it just be Rainicorn physiology or what. So, like, they also didn't really give him that much time to be a dad. Yeah, and actually, looking back, when he started, he was a really great, like, in those, when they were puppies, he was a really great dad, and then suddenly they were adults, and he never had mm-hmm. that time to, like, grow up with them. Mm-hmm. So, in mm-hmm. fairness, yeah. Anyway, catch up! Ah! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it when characters tell each other stories. Like, uh, I know Steven Universe did it with that Garnet episode where Steven tells Garnet what she did that day. Um, and I thought Ketchup was cute because we've never really seen uh, Marceline and BMO hang out. And I didn't realize, like, I didn't, that didn't even really occur to me until this. And I was like, oh, right, the two best characters together. That's... No, that makes sense. That's perfect. I guess it's just nice to see that kind of allegorical story of Marceline and Bubblegum, like, I don't know, having their relationship without directly and explicitly stating it. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's clearly what that story was meant to be. I do like, uh, uh, my my favorite moment of this episode was Bimo calling her out being like, I don't, I don't believe this. And she's like, you... <laughs> Like, mine was true emotionally. <laughs> like, that was 
I when when Bimo said that, I almost wanted to restart the episode and see if I could make that make sense. <laughs> also, I, just, I love Bimo's thought process on anything. It's so good. And then we get to see okay, a nice so, little moment with young Marcy and her mother, which was just cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ending story was so sweet. Okay, and then I think we get to probably one of my least favorite episodes. Fiona and Cake and Fiona? Yeah. I really do not enjoy this episode. Like, even though I like the fun, like, uh, bookend gag of, like, no, they just seem directly in my head at night, like, like, like everybody else. Like, that part I enjoy, but kind of the rest of it I don't. I enjoyed uh, Finn being like, hey, what the fuck? And then never getting closure on that. I don't, what is, I don't know. Why do you, is there a reason this episode doesn't click for you or? Like there's no specific reason beyond that. Like, I guess the character design when she's not wearing the hat freaks me out. (laughs) That's probably about the best I can say on why I don't really enjoy that episode beyond just the bookend gag. Because that is hilarious. It's kind of a weird Fiona and Cake episode, though. Because, like, I think the reason it doesn't work for me is the other ones, we know exactly who the other characters are that are telling the stories. Uh And it's kind of Mm -hmm. like what we... It's like what Bimo just said in the last one. Like, they're emotionally true, even if the things Mm -hmm. that are happening aren't true. This Mm -hmm. one, that's not really the story, the story is the things that are happening outside of the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think they realized by this point that they wanted to have the ability to do more with Fiona and cake beyond just let's have kids, you know, have these people tell stories about, you know, mm-hmm. Finn and Jake. Um, Even the fans at that point were like, Oh my God, give us more Fiona and cake. And like, that's pretty much the only thing they could talk about, especially after, we got the answers to Finn's backstory. And then they're like, okay, now all we care about is Fiona and Kate forever. I think it exists to give them ways to tell different Fiona and Cake stories. Mm-hmm. But that's all it mm-hmm. exists for. I don't know. I don't, I didn't have a moment of like actively disliking it. Like it sounds like you do, but I just didn't, I was disappointed by it. I will the the swap out that she's not actually Fiona I thought was a bummer because I wanted to know like what happened to actual Fiona. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's like I mean, I guess as far as like Fiona and Cake episodes go, I'm gonna say that's why it's like my least favorite of them because it's just as far as like those stories go, it's no, not it, my favorite. It might be the worst one of the worst episodes of the series, but this series has kept a consistent enough quality that like, I don't even have a reason why I would say that just it kind of. Yeah. It just, eh, it was fine. It was a little, for me, it was just fine. It was meandering. And I also, I, mm-hmm. I already don't like the Fiona and cake episodes are fine for me, but they All don't right. really do anything for me. <laughs> so. Uh, I like the mm-hmm. actress who plays Fiona. So I'm just happy to hear that mm-hmm. voice is like 90% of it for me. Uh, this brings us to. Whispers. Two really important episodes, yeah. Whispers followed yes. by three buckets. Like, this season closer, like, after, like, the last, like, season seven and eight, with their kind of, like, 
lukewarm opening and closing. This one gets back to that kind of like big emotional punch closing. Maybe not as big of like maybe a two part like entire story arc episode, but it's still two very important concepts that we need to address before the season's closed. Mm-hmm. And with whispers being centered around Sweet Pea and his connection to the Lich, and we finally get the return of the Lich Hand. Mm-hmm. Ah, that made me happy. And I was being, like, "Oh shit, I remember that." Mm-hmm. Oh, and just to see Sweet Pea like. I don't deal with that, like, grappling of, like, yes, I have a very dark and terrible nature, but I'm sweet tea, so that doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I did not expect to like sweet pea in the way that I do. I thought he was just going to be kind of obnoxious, and at first I was like, all right, bring back the lich. And now I'm like, all right, sweet pea, I'm down. Sweet pea is good. Uh, It's another place where we get to see how much Finn has grown. And how much Finn is mm-hmm. an adult. Mm-hmm. I mean, not an adult, but an adult now of the places where he's like giving Sweet Pea like real comfort and advice mm-hmm. and stuff that we could not see. And Fern is, I mean, Fern is not season one Finn because Fern is like angry emo, but still, Fern is a lot closer to season one Finn than he is Finn. It's like if. Fern is if Finn had taken any of the negative lessons that he learned and magnified those, whereas Finn never had to magnify on those because he had so many sources of positive reinforcement around him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Fern, he feels a lot more isolated, a lot more alone. Like Fern is probably also going to be dealing a lot more with that fear of the ocean and that isolation that came from that trauma. And then that's going to help inform all of his decisions and his like his progression forward because he hasn't dealt with all of the things that Finn did on the Island. So he doesn't have that closure to that trauma. Mm -hmm. Well, and he, you know, fell under the element spell immediately, which Mm -hmm. uh, he's traumatized by not really getting to deal with. Instead, he's just comparing himself to Finn, but even Finn and Jake admit that they would have also fallen immediately Mm -hmm. if they hadn't Mm -hmm. been not there. They were just not there. Oh, man, we skipped over the haircut stuff that I really loved that entire little like <laughs> way of communicating and dealing with stuff. Haircut therapy. Um, uh, yeah, so I like I feel for Fern, but he decides, of course, the most little bitch way of like dealing with all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That closing bit of like after Finn has used the arm to like murder Fern and he just, like goes home and. Like, at first they set it up like a joke, and after Bean was like, haha, it looks like you just killed someone. I and then it cuts face. to, like, you just silence. Someone, you're like, oh. Uh, and then Finn's like, I did. And this is the first time we ever see, like, him, like, actively dealing with, like, hey, I just murdered someone. It's not to bring up Steven Universe again. And that someone again, was me. It, oh, God, that's got to mess you up. But it's the Steven Universe <laughs> episode, the first time you meet, um, I can't think of her name, the... The the blacksmith character from Steven Universe. Um, uh, Bismuth. Bismuth, yeah. That same, like, you come back from this traumatizing thing and there's a, like, real quiet kind of aid from your friends. Mm-hmm. Just this letting is, that, like, heaviness and, like, hang in the air. This is the quietest season finale, but I think it has to be to kind of really set up. And I have no idea what comes next, but, like, <laughs> yeah, okay. 
but to the <laughs> to set up for the kind of finale where Jake Jake not Jake Finn Finn has grown so much just this season almost more than any other season mm-hmm. or kind of come into himself that I think having a big loud adventure and wouldn't have worked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also rightfully fucked up by the idea that like oh I'll be back in a month to give you more trash <laughs> why would you think that would make me feel better and then Finn immediately like starting to suffocate because there's no air in there <laughs> Fern is not smart. No. No. Not not at all. Um, this one, like last season, you, you kind of said it's like a it's a low-key season ending. It almost doesn't feel like a season ending, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Because then they flip it in that last two minutes, and you're like, oh, yeah, they, they have don't that, play like, a cliffhanger set. Well, and I think part of the reason it doesn't entirely feel like a season finale is because we've been used to 25 to 50 episodes, and this one's, what, 16? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just felt so short. But I mean, at this time, like, I know when season nine aired, like, they weren't sure if season 10 was for sure or not. Mm. By the time the final episode aired, and then they were renewed for that final season. Well, I know their numbers have been dropping steadily between seasons. I think, um, like, even though, like, in hindsight, the fans really liked the miniseries, like, the like the islands and states and stuff like when they were airing people were not into them like they were like i don't like this this is like way different than adventure time i don't like this and i feel like that's what at the time when it was airing kind of made their viewership get down which is interesting because so far stakes is the best part of adventure time so far but i I also got to watch it in one go i was looking at the numbers (laughs) the it looks like stakes in season seven got amazing numbers mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as far as viewership goes. The other ones is where it started to tail off. And people fair. were like, eh. mm-hmm. That's fine. I mean, even look at like our review of them. Our review of steak was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. We love it so much. Islands. Yeah, it was all right. And then we got two elements and we're like, this, this is boring. This is fine. So yeah. Yeah. No, I can see like, I remember going through that at the time as a fan. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was also just dedicated enough that I didn't care. I'm like, I'm just watching this series till the end. Well, it's earned credit at this point. I mean, as we said, like the worst episodes were fine. <laughs> and so if you can pull yeah. that up, I mean, I've watched the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, more than one time on purpose. So obviously I'm willing to sit through some <laughs> dog shit. Yeah, and I've watched first season of Legends of Tomorrow more than one time. So. Oh my God, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Although, again, in both of those cases, there's some really good gems. You just have to, like, sit through some really bad stuff at the same time. Anytime Captain Cold is on screen. That's the gem, not the bad part. Yeah. Oh, God. On the other hand, there's Hawkman. Oh. (laughs) But I think that brings us through this. Uh, Do we have any recommendations before we take off? Well, you know, what I really have for recommendations is more murder interviews. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Which murder interviews? Um, I have been watching a lot of this one channel on YouTube called um, Explore With Us, but I don't think that's the one I'm trying to think of. 
because there's this one channel that I watch that they have kind of a psychological breakdown of like the interview process of like what the investigators are trying to do and using the tactics that they use to help get the confession out of the suspect. Mm. And that one is called JCS Criminal Psychology. Nice. And they have a lot of like, they're pretty long form videos. Like uh, the one that I just watched of the Jody Arias uh, interview. That one is like two hours long. Jody wow. Arias is fucked up too. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> she's messed up. That's a long interview. Mm-hmm. That's dope though. Yeah, yeah. that's my recommendation. Um, I think for mine, uh, it's going to be a recommendation of something I've recommended before, but uh, it has, by the time this episode comes out, it will have actually been printed in like, a touchable form rather than being digital only. So I'm going to recommend the graphic novel, a door in the distance from Mark Bernardin, mm. um, which is the one I recommended probably about half a year ago when it dropped on digital about where the, it's a little girl adventure story kind mm. of just aimed at a little kid. And the, the twist is, is like he made this, uh, adventure story basically for his daughter who is, uh, not always uh, entirely communicable, mm, uh, okay, autistic. Yeah. And so he's like, here, I want to create a good world for her for when I, when I can't talk to her. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of what I hope. That's super adorable. Okay. I'm going to pick up a physical copy of that. Cause I remember thinking that sounded really interesting when you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Mine is a dodge. Because it's like one of the biggest poker games in the world within the last month or two. But Pokemon Legends of Arceus kicks ass. Um, And I got to play it yesterday. And I'm not far in. So, so far, I am just throwing Pokeballs in Bidoof's face. But because, uh, like, the, the controls finally clicked for me, and because you actually have to throw the Pokeball at the person, not just, like, press A and it'll be fine, mm-hmm. there's something super satisfying of there was, like, six Badoof in a field and I'm literally just running through chucking Pokeballs at Badoof in the face <laughs> and being like, yes, I got them all. <laughs> like, and the fact that it takes place in the past, I mean, beyond the fact that I'm just a sucker for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Hi, welcome to this podcast. Nice to meet you. It has done more world building in the first, I mean, my highest Pokemon is level 14. I am not far in this game, but it's done more world building in that time than the last like three or four Pokemon games. And I liked those games a lot. But by putting it in a different time zone, we learn new things. This is in this game. The Pokeball has been invented like a month ago. Okay. so we're seeing how people existed with Pokemon before they could just huck a ball at them and be like, aha, you're my buddy now. And like people are horrified by Pokemon in some cases, like leaving the village to go into the wild in the long grass, which was, you know, as a joke in like red and blue like oh careful there's pokemon they'll legitimately fuck you up okay i have been tackled by a badoof and it wasn't fun <laughs> like is I that saw... why i keep seeing all the memes of like pokemon trainers looking at some like cute little pokemon and then they're like frightened probably i saw okay. a snorlax with glowing red eyes i turned around and just left <laughs> i just I mean, did not just deal terrifying. with that yes like, and you will straight yeah. up die they get like, you don't just 
Yeah, I watched a video of a fucking Snorlax hyperbeaming someone, and I was like, oh, Jesus. And you get, you get wrecked, of it. and in classic, like, Diablo 2 fashion, if you want the stuff that you dropped there, you've got to go find your body and get it back. <laughs> like, it is... And I haven't... I mean, I've been tackled by, like, a couple of things. I haven't been messed up, but... Man, it would be real easy for things to go very wrong. Now I want a Pokemon game that, like, when you pass out, it just has, like, the Dark Souls You Died screen. <laughs> I'm sure we can find it. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for today. And next time will be Season 10. We'll finish it up. Uh, Yui, we'll see you in two you weeks. I'll talk to you in, like, an hour. 10? All right. See you guys later. Uh, that's it for this week, folks. See you soon. Uh, until next time, we're your journalist nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. I'm Yui. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is ran on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, email us generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.